Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 56. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $238 each, and everybody's favorite, LTB coin, is trading at .000205 US dollars each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. <laughs> We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoins and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Thank you, loyal listeners, for your continued support. And new listeners, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. On today's show, I travel to Australia's Gold Coast, the Miami Beach Down Under, where beer does flow and men do indeed chunder. All except my special guest, Bitcoin comedian Michael Connell. Michael talks to us about how he got into comedy and how he got into Bitcoin. Throughout this episode, we get to hear Michael's classic and hilarious bits about money, the NSA, philosophy, and of course, Bitcoins. Listeners, get ready to laugh your butts off and rest assured that this is clean comedy that can be enjoyed by the entire family. I don't understand money. I don't. That's partly why I'm a comedian. Uh, this is a terrible financial decision. Like, sometimes I do gigs, I try to work out how much money I'm making on the gig. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, it cost me about $3 a kilometre to drive my car. Uh, I drove 20 k's to get here. Uh, they're paying me with a sandwich. <laughs> how does that work out? It doesn't work out, is the answer. Right, but I don't think money is real, right? And whenever I say that, people always go, oh, of course money's real, Michael. Look, here's some, here's some notes, here's some coins. No. That's currency. Money and currency, two different things, right? Like if money was beer, currency would be the glass it comes in, right? <laughs> we have currency, so when you go to the bank, you can get your money out in the form of notes. Kind of like how when you go to the bar, we have glasses so that when you order a beer, they don't just spray it in your face. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, actually that sounds delicious. <laughs> Let's do that from now on. <laughs> But the notes just represent money, right? In the olden days, it used to represent gold. Like a $10 note was worth $10 of gold. But now, the notes just represent like $10 of the idea of money. <laughs> that is like playing musical chairs, but instead of chairs, you've got the concept of chairs. <laughs> I'm worried the music's gonna stop, everyone's gonna get hurt. I think it's a problem. And people go, oh Michael, it's not a problem. You know, because we all believe the notes have value, you know, you can use it to buy goods and services. You know, believe in it, you get stuff. That's how money works. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also how Santa works. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we just made it up. We thought it'd make you behave. <laughs> Apparently not, right? But that's the idea, right? The money gets its value because the government says it has value, right? Now, when the government makes a note and uh, says it's money, that's called fiat currency. Uh, when you do it, that's a crime. Uh, <laughs> don't try it at home. But that's the idea, right? The government makes a note and goes, this is money. 
Kind of like how McDonald's makes nuggets and goes, this is chicken. <laughs> People there going, I don't think that's chicken. They're like, yes, it is. That is fiat chicken. You'll enjoy that. Right, but now that's what we have. We don't have, it's no gold, not silver. It's just people's faith and hope and trust. That is, that is terrifying. That's like being on the Titanic and realizing they've replaced all the life jackets with happy thoughts. <laughs> you know, like, shouldn't it be something tangible? Shouldn't it be something real? Shouldn't, you know, maybe gold's a good idea. You know, it's always been valuable. We'd always, we've had that expression, you know, oh, it's good as gold. It's good as gold. It means very, very trustworthy. Very reliable, good as gold. No one ever goes, ah, oh, as good as an abstract concept of value. <laughs> just never happens, right? So this is the position we're in. We could be on the edge of a massive monetary collapse, right? All our notes and coins could suddenly become worthless. That would be terrible. But if that did happen, I would look like a genius. Because I've been getting paid in sandwiches. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, today on the show, I am very pleased to welcome from Australia's Gold Coast, the one, the only Bitcoin comedian, Michael Connell. Michael, welcome to Bitcoins <laughs> and Gravy. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, yes, sir. It is great to have you here, Michael. So tell us, if you would, where are you right now? Right now, I am on the Gold Coast, which, uh, if you don't know Australia very well, it is south of Brisbane, Okay. Uh, which is in Queensland, which is sort of the tropical north northeast of uh, Australia. But I'm from Melbourne. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, being an American, I have a horrible sense of geography, <laughs> even in my it's, own country. Well, <laughs> to give you an idea, there is a suburb here called Miami, and it's kind of like your Miami, but a lot smaller. So <laughs> wow. think, of a, think of a mini Miami, very tropical, very beachy, that sort of thing. And with a lot fewer South Americans, I assume? Yes, yes, quite a few less South Americans in our Miami. Well, it sounds pretty nice, though. What's your weather like there today? It's beautiful. It's about 30 degrees right now. Um, I'm not sure what that is Fahrenheit, but it is, is lovely and tropical and summery. Mm -mm, sunny and hot. That sounds pretty nice, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, today here it was 29 when I woke up, and that's Fahrenheit, so it's freezing. We had a freezing, <laughs> we had a freezing rain last night, so the temperature Ooh. has continued to drop, and now it's I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 out. So the roads are just sheets of ice, and everything outside is just covered with a sheet of ice, which is really beautiful but uh, treacherous. So we're hoping that the power mm -hmm. lines don't come down tonight. That's what we're hoping. So, well, I'll be thinking of you while I'm enjoying a lovely mocktail in my. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> there you and let's see here it's 7 30 p.m what time is it there <laughs> it's 11 30 so <laughs> so that's why it's a mocktail <laughs> oh i love it man okay so you've got your mocktail i've got my hot tea i've got my hot tea here <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're ready to go so uh, let me ask you michael how did you first find out about bitcoin and what brought you into the bitcoin world I'm always interested in tech stuff. I'm always on the internet. I spend a lot of time online. I'm always mucking around. And I've, you know, I think probably ooh, late 2010, 2011, I heard about it and people were like, oh, it's a new kind of money. You know, it's, it's this thing. You'll be using it online in the future. I thought, eh, that's kind of useful. That's kind of interesting. How much is Bitcoin? You know, this time it was like 50 cents. I was like, oh, 50 cents. Well, I don't know if I'm going to spend that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I just kind of forgot about it. 
And then, like, a couple of years later, it was shot up and then everyone was talking about it. It broke into the mainstream. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. And then I was kicking myself for not investing. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. So have you since, yeah. have you since invested? I have since, yes, I got some Bitcoin. Um, I... I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit. I did the routine. People uh, tipped me and I sold some uh, albums. And so, yeah, from doing that, I've, I've made a, a little bit of money in Bitcoin. Wonderful. Okay. And you say you sold some albums. Now, what do you mean? Explain that. Yes. Well, what I did, I I performed this stand-up routine about Bitcoins uh-huh. and I packaged together with a couple of other little routines, vaguely you know, related to money or the internet. And I put them all together on a zip folder, uh, a zip file, and uh, I made them available through my website. And uh, people bought them using Bitcoin. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was, a, it was a fun little experiment and really got me, it was good for me because it really taught me how Bitcoins work and how, how to set up a wallet and, you know, the whole process. Oh, man, that's great. Now, so... Prior to meeting Bitcoin, did you have a background in comedy and in entertainment? Yes, I had a fairly long background in comedy. Yes, I started doing comedy, uh, well, I started performing as a kid. So I was in school plays and amateur theater since about, you know, the age of five. Hmm, wow. Then when I was about 14, I taught myself to juggle and I joined a local youth circus and I busked and, um, you know, performed on the street. Uh, and then when I was about 18, uh, we started doing stand-up comedy in clubs and pubs around Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, pretty much been doing it ever since. So about, about oh, a bit over 10 years now. Wow, that's great. And you mentioned that what was the youth circus? What is that? <laughs> youth circus. Okay, so there was, um, I, don't know, I don't know the way to describe it. There was a school next to my school, which was like, uh, like an alternative school. It was like an alternative education school. Okay. And uh, they had an after-school club, which was a circus club. And uh, I didn't go to this school, so I knew nothing about this circus club. But one day I was walking down the street, and these three kids rode by on unicycles. And I was like, because <gasps> I always like being weird and unusual. And I was like, how do I learn this? <laughs> Is there, how, did you, how did you kids get these unicycles? And they're like, oh, we have a club. You could probably come. And, and once, I, once I heard about the club, I'm like, I'm doing that. So I would... I would kind of ditch my school and um, go go next door to the other school and join their circus club. Oh, man, that is great. So you've been performing for 10 years. Now, what do you do now? Do you still do comedy? You mentioned to me earlier that you do a radio show. Yes, I, uh, I'm performing. I do comedy all the time. I've been That's been pretty much consistent ever since. Ever since I did comedy for the first time, I was like, this is what I want to do. So I've been pretty much doing it nonstop ever since I started. Um, so I'm still doing it now. Wherever I can get up, where, you know, have gig, will travel. In the last uh, couple of weeks, I've started doing a breakfast morning radio show up here on the Gold Coast, uh, but I still travel around a lot. On Thursday this week, I'm about to head over to Adelaide, another city in Australia. They have a big, big arts festival over there. I'm about to do a whole bunch of shows over there. Then I come back here, do some more shows, then I go back. So I'm traveling all over the place, doing all sorts of things. Wow, that's really cool. I just interviewed a guy from Adelaide last week. It was uh, Simon Edhouse with uh, BitTunes. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, of BitTunes. Oh, all right. But yeah, he's got a great project. So yeah, I'm, I'm covering all of Australia over the <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. So let me ask you, as far as your comedy routines go, do you have a clean show or a dirty show? Is it a family-oriented show or is it for you know adults only? 
I I always work clean, but that's mainly because I'm lazy. Um, I I know some comedians they have one routine for comedy clubs, and then they have another routine for you know TV and corporate gigs and that sort of stuff. But I'm I'm too lazy to write two routines, so I just have one routine that I try to make work everywhere. Nice. And uh, yeah, I find it works very well. You know, it's got me a lot of work that I wouldn't have got otherwise. Um, I, I guess I'm family friendly by default, but I don't set out to be entertaining to family groups. I mean, you can bring your kids along to my show, but I don't know if they'll get the jokes. Right. <laughs> you know, how many, how many five-year-olds are going to enjoy my routine on Bitcoin? You know, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard the routine. It must be, I don't know, three months ago. I saw it on YouTube. I just came across it and it's hilarious. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was, it was quite I'm very pleased with how it's gone because uh, it was quite a challenge to write that. I um, I did it on a, on a, a community television show I was part of here in London, and I, um, you know, the season, uh, the writer's season is about six months long. Um, it takes us ages to write these shows, and at the start of the season, I pitched it as an idea because Bitcoin was really getting into the mainstream. It was about the time when uh, it hit, you know, the, a value of a Bitcoin hit what was it, $1,200 or something like that. Yeah. It, it went over $1,000 a Bitcoin, and, and that's when the mainstream, of course, got into it. And I was like, we've got to talk about this. Let's do something. And I pitched to the writer's room, and the writers, they're all like, oh, no, mm, this is crazy. And, like, I want to, I want to make sure, point out that we did some really crazy things on that show. Like, in other weeks, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm a magical unicorn. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's write that. But I was, <laughs> I was like, let's write about decentralized cryptocurrency. And they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. But I was I was desperate to make it happen because I thought if I could do it, I'd be the first comedian to ever do it. Yeah. There's no other stand-ups who have ever written about Bitcoin, as far as I know. But I've seen other things on YouTube uh, by sketch groups. Um, like I think if you know the website Cracked, Cracked did a routine on it. Hmm. Um, but their whole uh, sketch, and this is all the other sketches on Bitcoin that I'd seen so far, were, um, you know, what is Bitcoin? They don't understand it. You know, they, it's like, what is this? And I wanted to do a routine that, you know, actually understood Bitcoin, had an idea of what this technology is. Yes. And uh, presented it from a not a, you know, I'm a clueless idiot sort of perspective those i do remember the videos Hmm. you're talking about and yes Hmm. they were capitalizing on the uh fact that bitcoin was so mysterious yeah but it wasn't from an informed individual's perspective so that's why i loved yours yeah thank you you obviously knew about bitcoin or had studied enough to be able to write things that would make people in the bitcoin community laugh yeah well i've been i've been studying it for when i pitched the writers i'd been already studying it for you know a month or two and when i pitched them and they said no they didn't want to do it well that you know that was like, oh, well, now I have to do it. <laughs> if someone tells me no, that makes me really determined. So I'm like, I am going to do this. this my, it became my Everest. And I spent the entire season reading about Bitcoin and listening to Bitcoin podcasts and reading blogs and doing all these things. And uh, I wrote this routine. And eventually I went to the, uh, there's a meetup group in Melbourne, the Melbourne Bitcoiners. Okay. I went down there and I'd written this like four minute of routine about bitcoin and i thought well 
they'll be the perfect audience to test it on because they, they all know, they're all knowledgeable, they all understand Bitcoin. If I perform it to them and it goes well, it'll be perfect for the show, right? Yeah, yeah. And their meeting was like two days before I had to perform it on TV. And it was a live show, so we get <laughs> one take to do it. So I went down there, I performed it for them. They loved it. It was like, whoo, relief. <laughs> Um, and you know there was like one or two jokes that didn't quite work and I just dropped them didn't use them in the final performance and then I performed it on the show and it was amazing and put it out there and it's, it's gone very well I've been very happy with the response the Bitcoin community has loved it people writing on the show were like oh we didn't think you'd ever be able to make you know <laughs> decentralized cryptocurrency funny but you managed <laughs> to pull it off well done so it's like yes triumph um, yeah, I'm very happy with how it all came together. I love bitcoins. I'm really into bitcoin, right? Now, bitcoin is a new technology, and the problem when you're into a new technology is there's always people who are not ready to get into the new technology. You know, like when the internet came out, there was people going, nah, I don't think this is going to be popular. <laughs> and then email came out, and people were like, nah, this isn't going to catch on. <laughs> And now Bitcoin comes out, people are like, I don't think, I'm like, aren't you sick of being wrong? Get on this train, you know? I, if you don't know what a Bitcoin is, right, usually the way people describe it is uh, digital cash. It's money for the internet, right? But I like to say it's banking light. All, all of the convenience, none of the evil. Right? With Bitcoin, instead of having bankers or politicians controlling your money, you get rid of them, you just have a computer program. Bitcoin, that's all it is, a computer program. Basically, it's maths, which is good because you can trust maths. You know, like, you ask maths, what, you ask what's 2 plus 2, math says 4. Math always says 2 plus 2 is 4. You ask a politician, you know, what's 2 plus 2? He's like, hey, vote for me, I'll make it 5. <laughs> Some lobbyist. Some lobbyist shows up like, hey, make it 15. <laughs> Help me out there. Right? You ask a banker, you know, what's two plus two? He's like, well, I can tell you, but there's a fee. <laughs> also, I can only tell you during banking hours. 10 till 2, Tuesday to Thursday. That's when we're open. <laughs> when bankers and politicians control money, they use it to, like, help their friends. Uh, Bitcoin's good because it's neutral. Treats everyone the same. It's very fair. Because... You know, it's maths, and maths is very fair, isn't it? Like, you never see a maths teacher going, yep, six times six is 36. Except for Barry. <laughs> it's different for you, Barry. <laughs> right? Like, Bitcoin, because it's digital, is very portable, which is great, and people don't get that. Like, I was telling my friends about Bitcoin, they're like, what, huh, digital, digital money? How's that going to work, Michael? What, are we going to be walking around carrying computers on us? And I'm like, oh, you mean like this? <laughs> I reckon people will work out how to do this, you know? And like, people are like, oh, I love my bank. I'm like, really? Can you play Tetris on it? Because that's what I got going on, right? Bitcoin uh, is also great because it's an open source program. That means uh, you can open it up uh, and check out any part you want. You can just investigate anything that you're interested in. Uh, like, try doing that at the bank. You know, next time they're emptying out the ATM, just jump in the armored car. What's going on? looking around. When you buy stuff with Bitcoin, it's more private than with credit cards, right? which is good because, you know, credit cards, when you buy stuff online, banks and governments, they can sort of see what you're doing. Uh, that can cause problems sometimes. Like the other week, I bought some books on Amazon about uh, the Middle East. It came up with this thing going, you know, customers who bought this item also bought 
a trip to Guantanamo Bay. They just didn't realize it. More and more stores are accepting Bitcoin now. You can buy like socks, you can buy cars, you can hire a plumber, you can hire, you can hire me. I, I will work for Bitcoin. Although I should say I'm a comedian, I would work for sandwiches. I'm pretty poor, right? Uh, my favorite thing about Bitcoin is, right, it's, the bank's not in control anymore. Bank's not in control, government's not in control, it's me. It's, I'm using my money my way. You know, when I go online and I buy, like, I don't know, a pair of socks, if I pay with a credit card, I'm just buying socks, right? If I buy those socks with Bitcoin, it's a revolution. <laughs> I am sticking it to the man. You know, I'm walking around, people are like, hey, Michael, what's that on your feet? I'm like, ah. Freedom! <laughs> there was a ton of people at that meetup. I was absolutely crazy. And this probably, uh, it might have been the time I was going. It was right before um, there was, the, uh, it peaked and then the, the value went down. So maybe there was a bit, uh, there was a bit of, uh, you know, the mainstream hype was, was attracting a lot of people. Um, and I, there might have been in the room, there might have been a lot of speculators, people just, you know, looking to get in and make a quick buck. But I got the feeling most of the people I was talking to were really informed. They were really interested and they were looking at it as a, you know, a long-term sort of solution as, you know, something they can run their business with, something they can use to sell things online. People are doing all sorts of different and interesting things with it. And how do you feel that Bitcoin's being received right now um, in Australia by the Australian government? Oh, um, I haven't kept up to date, but last I heard, they decided, I think, if I'm correct, that they followed the Americans' lead and they determined that it was a property. The IRS in America have determined that it is a property. Is that correct? That is right. Yeah, real property. Yes, real property. And I believe our tax agency, the ATO, have followed you guys' lead. So... I don't know, that's, that's an interesting way to see it. But I think the Australian Bitcoin community is going quite well. Certainly, I'm new to the area up here in the Gold Coast, so I don't know really what's going on up here. But back in Melbourne, it was really going well. Um, uh, after I did the, the routine and I met everyone at the Bitcoin community, they all invited me, hey, come to my restaurant. You can buy things with Bitcoin. I've got a coffee shop. You can buy a coffee with Bitcoin. You can buy some of my vegetables from my organic vegetable uh, farm. You can buy them in Bitcoin. There's a, there's a chain of restaurants of subs. Uh, they sell hero subs and you're able to buy them with Bitcoin. And there's a chain of them all through Melbourne. And, uh, because I did this routine, all my friends, whenever they go there, they take a photograph, they do a bit of a selfie with them next to Bitcoin accepted sign and then tag me <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> so whenever a new, whenever a new branch opens up, I hear about it. Or you could say you hero about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, as far as the ATO, what does ATO stand for in Australia? The ATO stands for the Australian Tax Office, and uh, they're like our IRS. Do you guys love the ATO as much as we love our IRS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are wonderful. <laughs> I love them, man. They just make me feel warm inside whenever I talk uh, about them. 
yeah. It drives me nuts every time. Yeah, Very me well. too, man. You know, of all of the things that piss me off about our IRS, this probably has to take the cake. You know when you have a utility bill to pay and you write the check and you put it in the envelope? Well, you know, at the bottom of the bill, there's a perforated part that you can tear off, right? Right. Yeah. Well, the IRS, of all of the bills, I have to pay the IRS a monthly payment because I'm self-employed. Of all of the bills that I get, utilities and everything, the IRS is the only one that I get. It's like it's a throwback to like 1940, where instead of having a perforation at the bottom, they have a dotted line and a little picture of scissors. I have to cut it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys are so uh, cheap, they can't give me a perforated piece of paper. <laughs> uh, man, I can believe that. Like in, in Australia, there's a... We have a thing called the ABN, the Australian business number. Every business has to register. You have a number. Uh-huh. And uh, a couple of months ago, they called me up out of the blue and they're like, yeah, we've canceled your number. Oh, no. And I'm like, why? And they're just like, oh, you know, it's something we've done. You know, if you want to, if you want to get it reinstated, you have to call us. And I was like, oh, And I was on the phone, ringing them up. You call them, they're running around. Well, they're as bad as we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, they, they drive me nuts, and I'm constantly uh-huh. ugh, tearing my hair out, hating to deal with them. Well, that sounds bad. Now, what is that number you have to have? It's the Australian business number, the ABN. Okay. Um, I'm not sure why we have to have that number, <laughs> but they want everyone to have it. Even if you're just a sole trader like me, like I don't have, you know, I'm when I say, you know, I have a comedy business, but when I say a comedy business, I mean... I send a lot of emails and I talk to people on the phone, you know, it's me and someone on the other end, you know, of, of the email, just working out a deal between two people. But for some reason, I still have to have an Australian business number. And mm. yeah, if, if they cancel that, you can't send invoices, you can't, it's a real pain. Wow. And uh, they just decided they were going to do that to me. And then <laughs> I had to ring them up and go through all these hoops. And, oh, man. Oh, it's crazy. Man, do you ever think that maybe it's because of your Bitcoin comedy routine they found out about <laughs> it? <laughs> Yeah, it could have been. It You're on the been. list. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the list. I could well be on the list. You just made the list, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's funny you say that. I did a routine about Bitcoin. I also did a bit about the NSA scandal. Okay. And then they cancelled my ABN. So, um, oh, no. you know, and now, now I'm kind of looking out for black helicopters. I don't know what's going on. Hey, man, you never know these days. Now, do you have any plans to uh, do another Bitcoin comedy routine at some point? I I would like to do a bit more about Bitcoin. I'd like to check in more about it. Uh, it's just like I've got so much on my plate. I, yes. uh, I'm currently I'm currently in the middle of a bit writing a routine about. Uh, I'm writing a whole show actually about philosophy. Oh. Um, I'm working with another group. They've hired me, asked me to do a bit of a a philosophy show. Um, so, uh, Bitcoin, I'd love to do it, but, uh, so far there's no one has stepped forward and say, you know, write this Bitcoin show and someone else has come forward and say, write the philosophy show. So I have to do, you know, I'm a businessman. I have to go for where the money's at, but yes. look, Hey, hopefully I will finish that, uh, philosophy routine and, uh, 
get working on a, some more Bitcoin stuff. Well, and also, you know, you, yeah, exactly. And you did the Bitcoin routine when Bitcoin was on its way toward the moon. And then Bitcoin came back for a little while, came back down to Earth. Mm. Bitcoin is still planning to go to the moon. It's just taking its time. So yeah. when Bitcoin does go on its next flight to the moon, then, of course, we will have the same thing again. But this time, it may be 10, right. 10 times that because we have so much more infrastructure than right. a year, a year and a half, two years ago. So I would imagine that you will be doing another bitcoin routine down the road at least i hope so oh yes yes i was can i can i make a point though you've just mentioned the the price people always like people who don't know about bitcoin or if they only vaguely know about bitcoin they always talk about it as an investment that's right what i'm even more interested in as is is like a as a technology as a way to to offer frictionless you know micro payments online that sort of thing oh yeah um and like you know i I think it's really good that I've written this routine now because in the future, I'm sure it's going to be something we're going to use online. Like, I can't predict what the price of Bitcoin is going to be in five, ten years. But I think it's a fairly confident bet that uh, we will be using this technology to uh, facilitate transactions online. That is an easy thing to predict, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it takes everyone a while before they understand it's not just a currency, right? It's a distributed ledger that can track your assets, mm. right? This technology is changing the world. It's going to change the world of finance, change the world of smart contracts, of contracts generally uh, in law and finance and real estate and everything. So, yeah, it, it is an amazing thing. That's why I think that now with this new knowledge, you'll be able to come up with a Bitcoin routine that is like the next step in your Bitcoin routines. Absolutely. And, and the, sort of the stuff they can do with the block chain like we are just beginning to scratch the surface like you said smart contracts um escrow all that sort of stuff um you know we're just working it out now in like five ten years we'll be doing stuff online with it that we wouldn't even have been able to imagine now so i'm sure i'll be coming up with more material about that down the line man i hope so and you know i always think because the tech is going to go so well because the blockchain technology and the bitcoin protocol is going to do so well i assume that bitcoin the currency bitcoin the token the very first one i assume mm. that that's going to do well because it has such a great network effect now it may not though or it may cap at three hundred dollars or two hundred dollars and it may stay there till the end of time but i tend to think that as it sure. travels around the world and gets more and more popular and as we see more startups, uh, more mom and pop companies, more large companies like Microsoft for their digital products, Overstock.com, all of these bigger companies accepting Bitcoin, I tend to think that the value of Bitcoin is going to be substantial at some point. But yeah, I'm like you, man. I'm not going to, yeah. I can't predict what's, what, <laughs> what it's actually going to be in five years. You yeah. know? And people try to do that. It's hilarious. You know, as an investment, you know, it's, it's a bit risky, but as a technology, it's definitely the way of the future. Yeah, that's well put. Now, let me ask you about your philosophy bit that you're writing. Uh, have you heard, I have to assume that you've heard the Philosopher's Song by Monty Python? <laughs> yes, yes. Emmanuel Kant was a real piss and it was very rarely stable. I digger, I digger was a boozy beggar who could think you under the table. Every day, Carl was a drunken father, I drink, therefore I am. Yeah, 
Yes, Socrates himself is particularly missed. A lovely little thing about the bugger when he's pissed. One of my favorites, man. Monty Python, they're great. I was a huge fan. Definitely when I was a kid. I'm still a fan, but I mean, I watched them a lot when I was growing up. Them and I don't know if you know the goodies. Yes. Um, yeah, they were they're always on TV when I was a kid. I would just stay up late, watch them on TV, loved them. Big inspiration. What was the other one called? Was it The Young Ones? Am I thinking of the... Oh, The Young Ones. Yeah, The Young Ones. I used to watch The Young Ones all the time as well. They were great. Yeah, those guys were nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, all that sort of BBC, British comedy, you know, the alternative wave. Yeah, it was awesome. It really was, man. And I don't know if we actually had anything even close to that funny. I mean, we had sitcoms and... You know, things like the Carol Burnett show, which I never found funny. <laughs> I don't know why I just didn't. But there's something about that British sense of humor, the uh, the Scottish sense of humor, the Irish sense of humor, the Aussie sense of humor that is so, I don't know how to describe it. It's just so rich. It's something that I don't see here in America. Don't get me wrong. I love American comics, but uh, it just seems to me like Brits in particular, Aussies, have this ability to laugh at themselves and it seems to me that Americans take themselves so seriously that they really have a hard time laughing at themselves. And I think the only people that I've ever met that uh, were more afraid to laugh at themselves, to have that self-deprecating sense of humor, are the Japanese. Wonderful people, but, you know, you uh, slip on ice or you've got something sticking out of your nose and someone points it out. And it's not just embarrassment. Uh, they're mortified. It's like uh, disgrace. I've been disgraced. I mean, I think... I think it's a sense of maturity, and I think it's a sense of confidence that allows us to laugh at ourselves. And when we can't, we look like dumbasses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Like people say, you know, uh, people say these things. But Americans, you've got some amazing comedians over there. I don't know if yes. as much gets to TV is the thing, right? So, like, you've got some. Uh, I'm a huge fan of American comedy. I love your stand-ups over there, Pat Oswald. Um, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan, yep. uh, Louis C.K., Bill yep. Burr, like, like you have some absolute amazing, amazing comedians. That doesn't always get made into amazing sitcoms or shows. Like you haven't had anything as revolutionary as perhaps Monty Python was, but no, you know, it's it's you certainly. I th I think as a as a culture, you certainly have the talent there. I agree. Yeah, actually, my favorite comedian currently is Chris Rock. Oh, he's great. He's reigning as far as the one that makes me laugh the most. But yeah, some of the ones you mentioned, those guys are hilarious. Mm. And some of them are not as funny as you. I'm serious. It's personal taste, you That's know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're you're more street smart. You know what it's like out there in the ghettos, in the projects. Um, you and Chris Rock growing up in uh, Bed Stuy, um, <laughs> New York. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, I love it, man. All right, so Michael, how can people find out more about you and your projects? Uh, best way to find me is just check out my website, uh, michaelconnell.com.au. Go there. I have an email uh, mailing list. Sign up, I give away free downloads. You get sneak peeks at like uh, comedy routines that I haven't released to the public yet. All sorts of stuff. Just, uh, yeah, michaelconnell.com.au. But if you just type my name into Google, Michael Connell, you will find me. Okay, and you said michaelconnell.com.au, right? Dot .au, because I'm in Australia. Some squatter has got michaelconnell.com, but hopefully I'll have oh. that one day as well. 
Oh man, when you when you go to michaelconnell.com, what do you see there? Just a guy squatting? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's just a blank page. Oh, I hate uh, that guy already. Uh, shaking my fist at him. <laughs> I think it's it is an actual Michael Connell in uh Boston because no. of course Connell it's a very Irish name. Right. And um, yeah, I think he's a he's a Bostonite. Oh, Bostonites. I hate those guys. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, um all right, so Michael, tell us your website one more time, please. michaelconnell.com.au michaelconnell.com.au all right fantastic sir and michael i assume that people can go to youtube and check out your other comedy bits is that right absolutely i'm all over youtube i've got my bitcoin routine there i've got my nsa routine there i've got stuff about um you know uh money finance um i've got routines on all ridiculous stuff high school i've got a half hour comedy special that i filmed at a, a high school um, yeah, a lot of, lot of fun little things on there. Okay. Before we go, I have to ask you about the world of economics when it comes to what's, <laughs> what, when it comes to Europe and when it comes to us and when it comes to Australia, Yes. how do you see things going? I mean, obviously if you're, you know, sitting in a really nice restaurant there in Sydney or Melbourne or New York city or London, Obviously, looking around, things look like they're going pretty well, and maybe there's a TV that's showing a football game or a soccer game, football game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if an alien were to zap down and be sitting across from you in the fine restaurant, they'd look around and they'd say, wow, things on this planet are great. There doesn't seem to be any problems. There's a surplus of food, entertainment. It's warm in here. But what do you think? What do you see as far as the economy there in uh, Australia and then around the world? Just your perspective. I'm just curious. Ooh, uh, it's, it's very hard to talk about the economy because I, you know, it's such a huge, big thing. It's such a huge, involved, complex system. Yes. Um, but, you know, this is something I'm quite interested in. Again, it's, it's something I want to do more about in my comedy. Um, but a while ago, I learned about how our current, you know, financial system, it's all based on debt. Um, private banks are creating money basically out of thin air. Um, and I wrote a comedy routine about that. That's on the YouTube. You can check that out. But it, it, it just boggles the mind that that's the whole kind of system. And um, I mean, maybe they've got it going well. Maybe it's not. It seems a little risky to me. Um, but, but yeah, um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a weird and unusual situation we're in. Um, we're not producing things. We're not making things. Money is being made from, you know, bankers repackaging debt and these sort of things. It's very, it's very unusual. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of fascinated with the rise of artificial intelligence and automation Mm -hmm. um, currently, we <laughs> most people are paid to sort of have jobs that move paper around that are, you know, they're not technically, I suppose they're needed because there is, a, there is demand for them. But, you know, we're going to be coming up with AI that can probably replace like 40% of the population. And yeah. when that happens, like, like, what do we do? Like, where do all these people go? And like, the optimists say, oh, we'll invent new jobs that we haven't even thought about. But people are like, well, won't the robots just do those jobs twice as well as a human as well? So <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting time to be alive economically, I think. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting time to be alive. And I agree with what you said about uh, artificial intelligence and robotics and replacing jobs, human jobs. I hmm. read in a book called uh, Shop Class as Soul Craft. 
pretty much any job that could be done over the internet, whether it's finance or insurance or tax preparation, if it can be done over the computer, it eventually will be outsourced to a different country. So that's, yeah. you know, that's the kind of thing that scares me too. Absolutely. Or like you're talking about artificial intelligence, not just outsourced to another country, outsourced to, you know, artificial intelligence. Yeah, no, you're right. Like even the artificial intelligence is, is further down the line. But like <laughs> a while ago, I, I needed some things done on my website. Um, I used, what was it, Odesk or Elancer? You know, one of those online oh, yeah. uh, freelance finders. You, you find people who have tech skills around the world yep. and you pay them. I, I w I've, never used, I've never used a site like that before. I was a bit cautious. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to hire someone from, I hired this guy from Lebanon. And I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, is he going to speak English well enough? Is he going to be able to fix my website? He did a fantastic job. He was absolutely amazing. Did everything I wanted on the website, suggested things I hadn't even asked, thought to ask for, fixed that up. And you just think the only reason like we're not <laughs> outsourcing jobs like that right now is because I think bosses don't really understand they can. Um, maybe, you know, bosses like to have face-to-face -face meetings from time to time. But I think once most employers understand that, you know, through Skype and the internet, you can, you can, you know, eliminate all your workforce in Australia and start shipping it overseas. They will be doing that. Um, yeah. I hear, I hear stories about um, McDonald's testing, you know, instead of having a drive through uh, the intercom connected to a kid, you know, in the McDonald's, mm -hmm. uh, connected up to a call center in India. I yeah. mean, you know, you can have a robot produce the burger. You can have an Indian call center kid, you know, take the order. Um, you know, that could be very well a future. We're looking at any, any day now. Yeah. So I don't know what we do with all the other people then put them in, yeah. put them into camps, busting rocks <laughs> and stuff. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a great thing. Maybe like it sounds worrying to me, but then it could go the other way. Maybe the robots, you know, will find out a way to, you know, everyone can, you know, it'll, it'll lower the cost of living so much that we won't have to work as much. I don't know. I do not know what's going to come, but it could be. Could be a great thing. Could be a great thing. Yeah, we have to remain optimistic, right? Exactly, exactly. And look, look, I think either way, if you have your ear to the ground and you're looking out and um, you're aware of these things, you can react as, you know, uh, circumstances dictate. Yeah, we hope so, right? And that's for us, the guys who are, you know, fairly savvy and who are fairly intelligent and already have a pretty good foothold. But then, of course, for those people who don't have much, who started out with a deficit, don't have much education, poor diet, not very much opportunity at all, hmm. things could be difficult for them and they're going to need our help, I think. Exactly. So if you're talking about it and you're listening to this, you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, that's absolutely true, man. That's a good, that's a really good point. Thanks, Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Michael Connell, the Bitcoin comedian. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, yeah, man. Love to have you back again. And I hope that Bitcoin starts uh, heading up toward the moon so that all of the attention worldwide can come on it again. And then you'll write another Bitcoin routine. And I'm going to play, if you don't mind, for the listeners, um, your Bitcoin routine and maybe one or two others, if you don't mind. Not at all. Not at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you've been listening to Michael Connell, the one, the only Bitcoin comedian coming to you live from Australia's Gold Coast. <laughs> Thanks for being with us, man. Take care. Thank you very much. I will do. Enjoy the sun. Thanks, man. I'll be sunning it up here in Miami. Hey, thanks, Michael. Cheers, man. Cheers. Bye. The government's spying on us. Have you, have you heard about this? 
right? They're, they're reading our emails, they're listening to our phone calls. Um, for me, I'm not just worried about them hearing what I say on the phone. I'm with Vodafone. <laughs> People like Cole can't hear me, <laughs> you know. Uh, I do get, I, I seem to be the only one who worried about this, though, right? People my age, like I talk to my friends, they're like, oh, look, Michael, just don't go on the internet if you don't want them reading your emails. And whenever they say that, I go around, go around to their house, kind of peek into their bathroom, like, don't use the shower if you don't want me seeing your junk. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a slippery slope, that argument, isn't it? Like, today, we're saying, oh, don't go on the internet if you don't want them reading your emails. What will what we be saying in, like, five years? Like, oh, don't go to the park if you don't want a cavity search. <laughs> you know what the park's like. <laughs> the other thing people say is they always go, well, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Really? That's, that is stupid. Right, I, I hope they're given that advice in other like security scare situations. You know, like their sister calls them up like, oh, my ex-boyfriend, he's, he's hacked my emails, he's listened to all my phone calls. Well, if you've got nothing to hide, <laughs> he's just doing it because he cares. <laughs> uh, see, this is the thing, right? They're collecting all this information about you. And the thing is, data can always be used against you, right? Like, give you an example. Does anyone, does anyone know uh, what they caught Al Capone for? Anyone? Tax evasion. Yeah, tax evasion, right? That's how powerful data is, right? Think about that. You can run around blowing up buildings, shooting cops, and they, you know, if you're clever, they might be like, nah, can't catch you. <laughs> Tick the wrong box on a tax return. <laughs> They can put you away for life. <laughs> right? I'm, I, I don't like the spying, but I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use it to my advantage. You know, like I'm a comedian, right? I like to share laughs around. So what I do is sometimes I'm sending an email and I say something pretty funny, but I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is only going to one person. If only I could share this around more. So what I'll do is I'll say the joke. That's what she said. And then I'll type in, Jihad terrorist bomb. <laughs> Just share the laughs, you know? The other way I use the spying is uh, sometimes, uh, like I'm doing a comedy show and I'll look at how many tickets I've sold. And, uh, I've sold no tickets for this show tonight. How, how am I going to get an audience for tonight's show? So what I'll do is I'll send an email. Hey, come see me tonight at the Athenaeum at 8 o'clock. Jihad terrorist bomb. <laughs> I go to that show, it is full of people. <laughs> Mostly guys in black suits, dark sunglasses. <laughs> you know, they're, they're watching the whole show like, he's doing the bit about airline food. <laughs> now he's talking about women, men and women being different. Uh, request permission to take the shot. <laughs> permission denied, damn it! <laughs> like, this is the thing, right? If you, if you think... People watching what you do online isn't a problem. You should go check out the special deal they're doing over at Amazon.com, right? You just buy some fertilizer and the Quran. You get a free SWAT team demonstration. Tough times for Muslim gardeners. Uh, 
I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word. And today the magic word is laugh. L-A-U-G-H. Laugh. As in the sentence, no one makes me laugh about Bitcoin like Michael Connell. I, uh, I, I went to uni a couple of years ago and I, I studied philosophy. Uh, yes, I have, a, I have a philosophy degree. Uh, so I am poor, but I know why. <laughs> Uh, I did philosophy because I'm interested in like I'm very metaphysical intellect. I'm a wanker. That's right. why I did philosophy. I, uh, I I I thought I was very intelligent back then when I was a kid doing certain philosophy. Like the very first week of classes, I was sitting in the lecture theatre, and I was sitting there, and this guy walks in. He's like, "Oh, mate, mate, you're not in here." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> Because like the self is just a projection of the ego, isn't it? You're like, no, no. I mean, I mean, this this class isn't happening, and I'm like, yeah. Because reality is just perception, isn't it? He's like, no. I mean, this lecture's been cancelled. I am the cleaner. And I was like, right. I am the walrus. That's what we're doing here, right? He gave up, he just left, turned the lights out. I sat there for like 20 minutes in the dark going, this is deep. I'm learning a lot in this lecture. Um, I did learn the sort of things you'd think you'd learn in a philosophy degree. Uh, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Uh, now you might think the answer is yes, or you might think the answer is no, but what I learned is the deeper truth, which is knowing the answer won't get you a job. <laughs> Like, that never comes up in job interviews. <laughs> and I'm like, so, Michael, a tree falls in the woods, no one's around to see it. Does it still make a sound? Yes, it does. Sound waves still exist, even if there's no one there to perceive it. Well done. Welcome to Target. <laughs> that has never happened. Uh, I'm trying to learn Spanish. Uh, I do that because, by uh, listening to little Teach Yourself Spanish podcasts on my iPod. And I do that when I'm traveling around on the train. And people say, isn't that, isn't that stupid because you're saying the words out loud? Don't you get people staring at you? I'm like, no, because all I do is I just hang around in the back of the train with all the other weirdos. <laughs> you know, I'm standing there going, me llamo Miguel, mucho gusto, en conocerlo. Some dude next to me like, oh, I'm eating pigeons. <laughs> I just blend in, you know? Like, I'm learning Spanish, he's learning crazy. And I'd like to thank my guest on today's show, Michael Connell, the Australian Bitcoin comedian who continues to entertain people of all ages with his hilarious comedy routines and brilliant sense of humor. And remember, listeners, coming soon you'll be able to find full transcripts of each episode of Bitcoins and Gravy in the transcript section at bitcoinsandgravy.com. Professional transcription is being provided by one of our fans, Frankie, who can be found at diaryofafreelancetranscriptionist.com. Thanks again, Frankie. Much appreciated, sir. If you've enjoyed the show today, please take a minute to leave a comment on Let's Talk Bitcoin in the comments section right there below the show notes. You can also leave a message on SoundCloud or do the old-fashioned thing and send me an email. 
And of course, Bitcoin and Litecoin tips are always appreciated by the hardworking writers and podcasters in the Bitcoin world. Many of us work as volunteers and sure could use those tips. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. Y'all be good to each other out there now, and remember, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. Or Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain. Or Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Or Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain. Or Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go Oh, <laughs> <laughs>